Amen. What a powerful, powerful church. I love every time I come here. Pastor Marty is, always takes off when I am here, so I'm able to see what the church is really about. And this church is a thriving, beautiful, kingdom-minded church. And I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm so grateful for what you are to the community. I'm grateful for your love for me and my family and all your pastors. Amen. Can we give it up for the pastors and the staff here? Amen. Loving, loving people. It's good to be in a place where you feel loved. Amen. Amen. Some people have to um, not go to church because they feel not loved all week long. But you can always come here and know that you're a place that you can feel loved. Let us pray this morning. Jesus, we bless you. And there is absolutely no one like you. Can you just in your own way just express that to him? There's no one like you. There's no one beside you. There's no one holy like you. No one, no one puts up with me like you do, and I really, really appreciate it. All the spouses say amen. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're not far, but you're close. And we thank you today that you are making all things new. We thank you today that your mercies are new. Every day that we wake up, we get a fresh, fresh dose of your mercy. We bless you today and we say, Spirit of God, magnify Jesus. Word of God, magnify Jesus. Open up our revelation and remove all boredom from our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get some water, please? I know that the first service tried to wear me out. I wouldn't let them do it, though. I was going strong like 10, 15 minutes into it. If you've ever heard me preach, you'll know what I mean here in a little bit. I was going strong. And someone back there in the back, I don't know what they said, but they said something that triggered my brain that reminded me, listen, you have three more times to do this. Like you may want to slow down. And so if I get to that point where you're like, hey, preacher, you got two more times to do this, someone just kind of say something back, hey, two more times, pace yourself, y'all help me out, okay? I get a little amped up. So about a year ago, how many, how many loves when you're just walking with Jesus and you just get fresh revelation? It's amazing the depth of Jesus, the depth of God, the depth of Holy Ghost. It's amazing how you can read so many scriptures, hear so many sermons and sing so many worship songs, and then just fresh revelation jumps off the page. I really think that that's what, in Ephesians chapter 1, and Paul prays that prayer, he says, Oh, gracious Heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would give the church supernatural wisdom, and revelation. Revelation for what? Revelation that they would know the Father. And they would know their inheritance of the Father. And they would know that they are the inheritance of the Father. How many knows that this is, this is a heavenly exchange? 
that it's not just about what you give heaven, but it's also about what heaven gives you. And heaven never stops giving. Heaven never stops giving to the church. Do you realize that the blood of Jesus today is just as warm as it was the day that he shed it? That the blood of Jesus is just as alive today as the day that he shed it? Do you realize today that the blood of Jesus can not and will not lose its power? So I'm in this season of my life about a year ago, and I've been raised in church and experienced God and experienced his power, his anointing and revelation. And in this season, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about Jesus. I love the way Isaiah explains Jesus in Isaiah 12 and 3. It says, and you will drink deeply with joy from the fountain that never runs dry. That's why I love John chapter 4, because the woman finally found a fountain that wouldn't run dry. She finally found a, a, a fountain that she couldn't fit in her bucket, amen? And I believe that God, that the Holy Spirit, is wanting to reveal a fountain, Jesus, to us that we can't fit inside of our theology. That we can't fit inside of our Sunday morning service, that we can't fit inside of our dream, that we can't fit inside of our vision, that we can't fit inside of the song that we sing, a song that we write, or sermon that we preach, because he is Jesus, and he is far above anything that we can ever define, or ever put on pages, or ever put in definition. His name is Jesus, and he is the Messiah, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us. And so he began to speak to him about Jesus. A Christ for the nations. We have any Christ for the nations lovers here? Yeah, yeah. We got one. So we're there in chapel. They, they pay me to go to chapel every morning. Like I wake up. Monday through Friday, and I go to chapel from 8 to 8.45, and then they pay me for it. And then at 11 to 12, I go to a lectures and hear all these speakers get up and speak. And then Tuesday night, they pay me to go to two hours of worship again. That's literally what they pay me to do. It's don't tell them, okay? Don't tell them they're paying me to do what I love. So at one of these chapels this morning, we're worshiping the Lord, and this young girl comes up to me out of nowhere, and she says, Dean G., they call me Dean G because my son called me Dean Steve when I first started. And I said, you are not going to make that stick. I'm going to be cool and it's going to be Dean G. So she comes up and says, hey, Dean G, I had a vision and you were in this field. And you had this sword in your hand and it was heavy and you were trying to learn how to use it. And you were swinging it every way and there was angels all around you. And she said these angels were laughing at you because they found, found it to be very comical, you trying to swing this sword. And they begin to help you, and they begin to teach you, and they begin to give you revelation, and they, they begin to strengthen your hand, and strengthen your vision, and strengthen your speech, as you begin to swing that sword. And as you begin to swing it, you begin to take the ground that you were in the middle of, and begin to move forward, taking ground. And immediately when she walked away, Holy Spirit said, you know what that is? I said, I don't, but would you please tell me? He said, that's the revelation of Jesus. Then I put it in your life and I put it in your, in your hand. And so today I just want to share with you 
the path that I've been on for the last year of just getting to know Jesus better. Is that good with you? Is it good if we just talk about the simplicity of the gospel today? Because what I've realized is that religion doesn't save me for anything. Good sermons, it doesn't save me from anything. Unless I have a revelation of Jesus in the sermon, amen? Unless I have a revelation of Jesus in the song, amen? So let's put that first scripture up there. John 3, 16. Y'all remember this verse, right? When's the last time you quoted this verse? When is the last time that you stood up in the morning? When's the last time that you faced a battle? That you faced a sickness? That you faced a lie? That you were facing shame and you're facing rejection? And you went back to this verse. This is the foundation of who we are. This is the foundation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It is upon this rock and upon this revelation that we know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever says, I believe in that, will have everlasting life. Do you realize today that if you believe in that, that you have an eternal being living on the inside of you? I understand that one day this body will die. I understand that this body has already released hair. And I'm bald. But I have a spirit that lives on the inside of me that will never, never, never die. I have a spirit of God that lives on the inside of me that will never die, that is built for eternity. Do you realize that you have a being on the inside of you that is built for eternity? It is the being that lives on the inside of you that is built for eternity, that can stand against every force, every lie, every storm, every wave that is thrown your way. There is not an arrow that can strike you that the eternal being on the inside of you cannot stand against. That's Jesus. We have to know every day that we wake up, and we have to remember and be rooted and grounded in the simplicity of the gospel. Sometimes you just have to shake yourself and say, hold on. Jesus really loves me. Jesus is madly, madly in love with you. Let me say it again. The uncreated one. The one that measures the heavens and the earth between his fingers. The one who merely spoke and the heavens were created. The one who breathed the word and all the stars were born. The one who gathers the waters of the seas in the jars and puts the deep into storehouses. The one who spoke and the whole world was born is in love with you.
He loves you so much that he bankrupt heaven just to be with you. Do you realize that God is not going to give you anything else? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> like, can you please explain what you just said? Because I need something. <laughs> He's not going to give you anything else because he already gave it all to you. He doesn't have to give you any more peace. You already have peace. He's not going to give you any more righteousness because you already have righteousness. He doesn't have to give you any more joy because you already have joy. He is a good, good giver. He's a good, good giver and he's a good, good father. You are not the employee of God today. You are the son and daughter of God today. And it is his ultimate desire to give to you abundant life. Even though the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. He's a good, good shepherd today. And he is madly in love with you. No one loves you like Jesus loves you. No one loves you like God loves you. He doesn't get tired of you. He doesn't get burnt out with you. He desires your presence. Oh, that we could understand the depth, the length, and the height, and the width of his love. Oh, that we would have a fresh baptism today. That the creator of the universe is absolutely head over heels in love with us. Do you realize that this man, this creator, this God, this Jesus that I'm talking to you about today, that he makes himself a subject to your love? The Bible tells us in Song of Psalms 4 and 9, it says, you have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride, and you hold it hostage with a single glance of your eyes. A single glance of your eyes. When you wake up in the morning and you just look at him, bam, his heart's captured. An almighty God submits himself to your gaze. What? A sovereign God submits himself to the church's gaze. So when Pathway comes in here on Sunday for four services, and when you come in on Monday morning at 6 a.m., and you turn your gaze to him, immediately you capture his heart, and he said, I am held hostage by your gaze. Man, I worked hard to get Jennifer. She was like, I don't know if y'all remember that No Limit Soldier song. That's what she was. Like, that was her theme song. Like, I ain't dating nobody, ain't nobody getting me. You talking about gang? This girl was gangster. She's like prissy now, like gangster. Like, she stole a wine cooler on our first date, I promise you. BC. Thank you, Jesus. She made me work for it. But not, not God. And then he comes. He comes. 
and he comes. Submitting himself to your look. He is madly in love with pathway today. Isaiah 50 verse 6 and 7 says this. Is this okay? Are we good? I'm enjoying myself. Jesus, the writer, writes just about Jesus. And he says, I, I offered my back to those who beat me. Think about it. It's not an Easter message. You need to know this. You need to remember that you were bought with a high price and that you're actually worth something. Jesus offered his back to those who beat him. And he offered, he offered his, his cheeks to those who pulled out his beard. And he said, I didn't hide my face from those who mocked at me and spit on me. Think about it. It's life. It's a life laid down. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I set my face like stone or like flint. He is persistent to take the mission, determined to do my Father's will. And I know I will not be put to shame. Why did he do this? He did this to purchase you. This is not just a salvation message. This is a family message. This isn't just what got me saved. This is what keeps me saved. This is not my salvation. This is my sanctification. Yes, he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement for my peace was on him. And by his stripes I am healed. I'm not just healed spiritually. I'm healed emotionally. My marriage is healed. My children are healed. My dreams are healed. Restoration is healed. There is peace in the cross. There is joy in the cross. There is restoration in the cross. Let us not forget why we're here and where we came from. The power of the gospel under salvation. Saving all those who believe. This is the ministry of Jesus. There are signs and there are wonders in the ministry of Jesus. There is salvation in the ministry of Jesus. There is heavenly music. There are heavenly songs being released through the body of Christ. And records released because of the ministry of Jesus. Because of the ministry of Jesus, some will sit down and they will pen in the paper. And they will release a book that releases the kingdom and the will of God. It is the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is on this generation 
I don't pray for another great awakening. I pray for a Jesus movement. We need Jesus to sweep across the government. He's the only one that fixes everything. We need Jesus in this generation. He's the only one that heals everything. Jesus said yes because of you. I said Jesus said yes because of you. You were the joy set before him. Think about that. Your life. I wish I could get in each of your face like I do my kids. Some of you grown men would say, get out of my face. And then you'd say, get out of my wife's face too. <laughs> so I'd get in the men's face and my wife would get in the wi- uh, women's face, okay? And trying to get beat up before I leave East Texas. Go back with a black eye tomorrow. Say, I got this preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. <laughs> Persecuted for Jesus. Anyways, I wish me and my wife could get in y'all's face, each of you, and just say, your life was the joy set before him. 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 So, no, no matter what the past was, your life was the joy set before him. Do you realize that the father has never looked over the son and said, what have you got us into, man? <laughs> like, these people are a mess. You know why the cross was so messy? Because the church is messy. You know why the cross is so messy? Because his children are messy. But he's not afraid of the mess. Do you realize you're no match for sin? But the cross is a match for every sin, every addiction, every trial, and every lie. Put it on the cross. Sin doesn't scare Jesus. He shows up to Zacchaeus, chief of tax collectors. That means wicked of wicked. That means he's the one that is stealing from your grandma to build his pool in his backyard. That's who he is. 
Do you realize when Jesus shows up that Jesus never even says anything about his sin? What? Because Jesus doesn't have to magnify sin because he is the one who cleanses sin. He simply shows up in his presence alone. Causes Zacchaeus to say, man, I repent. You can have it all. Hmm, that's a good gospel. He endured the cross for you. You, the church, you're, you're his wedding gift. That the Father's going to give Christ. You're, you're the inheritance of Jesus. He, he knew the cross. He knew the shame that the cross would be. He knew the beating of the cross. And yet he still said yes, because you're the inheritance. The cross wasn't just about sin. The cross was about you. The cross was about intimacy and relationship. You know why I get up in the morning? Because I know I have a relationship with Jesus. You know why there's not a storm that can track me down and run me off my path? Because relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants intimacy and relationship with you. If Jesus had a love language, you know what it would be? Quality time. That's what his love language would be. He is fine just being with you. And do you know Being with you is not being with you in ministry. Being with you is just being with you in the car when you're riding down the road. Being with you is when you're mad, when you're irritable, and when no one else wants to be around you. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know what I think is beautiful? The first thing Jesus did on the cross, the first thing that happened in the supernatural whenever he breathed his last, was what? The veil ripped. Why was the first thing that happened, the veil ripped? Because God hated the veil. Because the veil only separated you from his presence. The first thing he did was eliminate every hindrance and every lie between his people and his presence. That was the first thing he did. And now the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter four and verse 16 that you can boldly approach the throne room of God. I'm coming. I'm getting wound up. I'm about to hit another gear. I'm pacing myself. You.
you can boldly approach the throne room of God. Um, is hey hey God hey hey God <laughs> man you must be asleep it's probably on spring break <laughs> hey hey Jesus you in there Holy Ghost oh you're you're here okay never mind hey those days are over with. I don't need a key because there's no door. I don't need a priest because we're all priests now. Because of the high priest. And we all now boldly, boldly approach the throne room of God. My kids are 16 and 14 and they still have not learned to knock on my door. They think my room is their room. And I don't guess I'm going to convince them. It don't matter what I say to them. It don't matter if I tell them, hey, we're married. You never know what's going on in there. They don't care. They're coming in. <laughs> Apparently, you can't scar my kids. <laughs> Why? Because that's mom and dad's room. So therefore, it must be my room. That's his throne room. Therefore, it must be my throne room. I can go in whenever I please because my daddy said so and the blood of my Savior paid for me to say, hey, I belong here. Sin says you don't belong there, but Jesus says you belong there. Do you realize you belong in the throne room of God? You belong in the presence of God? You belong in the glory of God? You belong in the blood of Jesus? There's still power in the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. There was a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners still plunge beneath that flood and they lose all their guilt and stain. Do you realize today you have come to a blood not of Abel that is crying out for vengeance, but you have come to the blood of Jesus that declares forgiveness over your life? And he who the Son sets free, it's free indeed. I said, he who the Son sets free, it's free indeed. He came to make all things new. If there's one thing I felt hit my spirit this past week is that he wants you to know today that he is making all things new. Now I understand that that sounds like a real cliche. But if he said it, and I don't care how cliche it sounds, I'm going to get mine. And the Bible says anyone that is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. I love how it doesn't say new creature because he just made a whole new creation out of you. 
and all things are passed away. And now behold, all things are made new. What is it in your life? This Can I get some music? What is it in your life today that you need made new? Think about it. God wants to minister right now. Some of you need your marriage made new today. There's power in the blood. Some of you are battling with hope deferred. But a dream come to pass is like a tree of life. He's making hope new today. Do you realize today that he's the peace of God that passes all understanding? He's making peace new today. He's making peace new today. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He's making righteousness new in you today. Do you know that the only thing that doesn't belong to you in life is the past? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's what Paul says. He says everything belongs to you. Whether it's Paul, whether it's Apollos, whether it's life, death, of this world, not of this world. And then he says this. The present belongs to you and the future belongs to you because you belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to God. You know, the only thing he left out of there was the past. The only thing you do not own today, the only thing you do not lay claim to this morning is your past. Why? Because the blood of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, when it talks about this blood, you know what it says? It says that this blood speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus is declaring a better word over you today. There's a louder voice. Do you hear me this morning? There is a louder voice. And it's the voice of the blood of Jesus that is still preaching and still prophesying. Do you realize that the blood of Jesus, that Jesus came and he destroyed the works of Satan? Wow. Let me say it on this side. Some of you ain't battling Satan. Jesus came and destroyed the work of Satan. That's powerful. You got to know that. That's mic drop material when you're in the storm. Hold on. Jesus destroyed the work of you, Satan. Walk away. Jesus did it. I love what he said to Peter. In the midst of all the voices. In the midst of, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're just a prophet. 
That's good. But who do you say that I am? In just a few moments, Jesus was going to declare that Peter was a rock. But before he does that, Peter's carrying the name Simon. This name Simon literally means this. It means to hear and to listen. To hear and to listen. Peter had been listening and hearing all the other voices that say, you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're Jeremiah, or you're just a prophet. But he'd also been listening and hearing to the voice of the shepherd that says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. He'd also been listening as Jesus stood at the grave of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. He'd also been listening as blind Bartimaeus is brought to him and he says, what, what can I do for you? And he sees as a son of man is moved with compassion to meet the need of a beggar when no one else wanted anything to do with him. He was there at the end of the festival in John chapter 7 when Jesus stands up and says, Is anyone thirsty? Because you can come to me. Anyone that believes in me can come drink. He was there when Jesus said, Listen, I'm not here on my own and I don't do these works on my own I, I only, only do what I see the Father do and I only, only say what I, what I hear the Father say he, he was there when Jesus turned the five loaves and the two, two fishes into feeding 5,000 he was there when the master of the ceremony came and said, hey, listen, there, there's no more wine. And his mom said, hey, do what he tells you to do. And Jesus turned the water to wine. He heard the stories and he listened to the stories of how when John the Baptist baptized him and a voice from heaven came forth and said, this, this is my dearly beloved son, who brings me great joy and I'm pleased with him. He was there when he th told Nathaniel, he said, hey Nathaniel, I saw you underneath the tree before you even got here. And Nathaniel said, woo. It was amazed at his words and he said, but wait. He said, if you believe because of that, you will see me, the son of man, like a ladder and angels will descend and ascend from heaven to earth. In other words, he was there and he heard and he listened to Jesus says, I'm the one that's going to close the gap. I'm the one that's going to bring relationship back. I'm the one that's going to bring intimacy back. I'm the one that's going to restore the breach. 
I'm the one that's going to allow his children once again to walk with him in the cool of the day. He was there with James and John. And he heard once again the voice of God declare, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Listen, listen to him. And he fell fearful because of the voice. And then Jesus comes over and puts his hand on him. And it says that when they looked up, that Moses was gone. That Elijah was gone. Moses who represented the law was gone. But Jesus was still there. Elijah who represented the prophecy was gone. But Jesus was still there. Why? Because Jesus came to fulfill the law and fulfill all the prophecies. And all they saw was Jesus. So Simon, he hears this. And he's listening. All these moments. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Because I don't care what your pastor says. I don't care what your spouse says. And I don't even care what your favorite, favorite Bible verse says. I want to know what you say. What do you say? And Peter says, I've been listening. And I've been hearing. And I say that you are the Messiah that you are the son of the living God. I say that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Everything changed at that moment for Peter. He who listens, he who heard, now became a rock. Why? Because he finally seen just Jesus. He didn't see the miracles. He didn't see the signs. Jesus told them in, in John chapter 6, he says, you want to be with me because I fed you. You want to be with me because I just walked on the water. But you have yet to determine what these miracles mean. He says, I encourage you. Consider not this, these things that will pass away and that will perish like food, but spend your energy. Spend your life. Waste yourself. Go bankrupt coming after Jesus for this is eternal life to know God the Father and Jesus Christ the one he has sent can you stand with me this morning